Welcome to Blackbird episode number 94. My name is James, and thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, today, I am excited to bring back to the show for, I think, appearance number three, maybe even four, Mr. Pavel. Pavel is, of course, our crypto trading buddy. Um, and, well, with the state of the crypto markets right now, I wanted to uh, get, his, get his input on what's going on. Um, let's see. Updates? Updates. Uh, so I was at the LP national convention last weekend it was fucking amazing um i i'm i'm glad i went uh you know obviously some of my criticisms of the lp still stand um although i have come around to kind of understand the nature of power a little bit more uh holistically i guess than the last time we talked um you know pete quinones and andrew and those guys um are some of my closest friends and uh i still would consider them friends and allies in all of this um but uh you know and maybe maybe i'll write something up or do a solo episode or something like that on that um that way i don't bore you during my intro and we can get right into it so without further ado let's do just that and get right into it Pavel, welcome back to the show. Thanks, James. Thank you for having me back. I'm happy to be here. Thanks. Uh, you're welcome, man. I, so I'm exhausted. Uh, I Same. didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night. We Minneapolis does these great movies in the park, um, but they have to they, obviously like that to start after sundown. Um, so we went to Black, uh, Back to the Future. I almost said Black to the Future. <laughs> uh, Back to the Future last night in the park. I'm all eaten up by mosquitoes, um, and we didn't get home till past midnight. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Um, uh, okay, so in the chat they're saying to close my blinds. Unfortunately, this is like a this is like a white window shade, so there's no blinds to shut. Um, my landlady put these up, and they're very convenient for everything except for streaming. So y'all just have to grin and bear it. Um, I do have lights on my face, so hopefully uh, as it gets a little bit dimmer outside, that'll improve. Um, what else? So, John, when am I heading to Chicago? That's going to be a while. I was going to go to Chicago this this weekend, I think, but uh, that kind of fell through. So we'll see. Um, Pavel, welcome back. Thank you for joining me. Um, where should we start? Why don't we just start with life, right? Uh, oh, yeah. You've, you've had some. I, I, let's see. So we hung out a little bit in, I think, March or April of this year, and uh you were kind of in the process of moving um you're no longer in your parents basement or i guess probably more <laughs> like your childhood bedroom i if i mean you're from you're, you're from a state that doesn't really do basements right so, um yeah how was that how's living on your own oh it's great it's great uh i was supposed to move out a year uh, ago but my dad got diagnosed with stage four cancer so as an, the only child i decided to stay home and help out my parents as much as i could and everything's doing great with him and you know, he's the doctors say he's got many years left and he's only got a few procedures left, but he's doing great. And since I wasn't needed anymore and I've been ready to spread my wings for a while, I finally left home and now have my own apartment, which is quite nice. Well, congratulations. Uh, are you are you living on your own or do you have like a roommate or what's the situation? Uh, it's just me right now. Um, it's I have a single bed and it's just yeah, just me hanging out. 
I've lived on my own exactly once in my life. It was for uh, two years and um, it was very peaceful. I, are you like, are you adulting well? Like, I know you keep your house clean, oh, which is cool. Yeah. I, I did, I did not do that when I was living on my own. Um, I'm not a very good cleaner of things. Yeah. Uh, but like, are you crashing on the couch and like, you know, falling asleep just kind of wherever, wearing whatever? Or do you like have a schedule and things like that? I'm, I like to keep myself really clean, like both my hygiene and my apartment. So, I mean, I'll sometimes fall asleep on the couch, but that's usually if it's like really late and I'm, yeah. to be honest, really high and just don't want to move. <laughs> yeah. Because my couch is really. I remember, I just remember like when I was living on my own, just sort of just crashing wherever I was like I, I would fall asleep, you know, watching TV and then wake up in the middle of the night and it'd be infomercials and stuff like that. Um, that was kind of back when it was normal to have cable. Uh, so, <laughs> so I would like be actually watching TV and not wake up to the, are you still watching this on Netflix? Um, so anyway, uh, any, any other lifestyle stuff? Are you still full-time trading or, uh, have you, have you had to well, give up that I have get a job? Well, I, I haven't been really trading or doing really anything for the past two months, really since the market kind of my last, I guess, hurrah that I had was riding the DeFi kingdoms wave, uh, like the crystal veil launch that they had on avalanche. Uh, that was great. Uh, that was an amazing week. And then since then, I I'm glad I sold everything because it's, it's basically nuked down like 95% in price. Uh, yeah, I, right now I'm, sort of like i'm doing i i spoke to you briefly before the show about this my best friend he has a uh he he has a small accounting business that he's just started up and it's just him that does it and he's got only got a few clients uh so right now i'm helping him do inventory for a rug stop a rug store that he uh is a client that he has as a client that's really all i've got going on right now is helping my friend but i'm trying i've got a few few things in the pipeline uh i have a friend that's a streamer um we're talking about like creating a NFT collection for him and having a little social. Yeah. Yeah. It's it really, we're trying to base it off of the whole board ape thing, uh, which is, you know, kind of a social club that surrounds his whole uh, streaming thing. So we're just kind of playing around with ideas on that. I have an artist friend that could, you know, draw the various portraits or whatever we want to do. And yeah, so that's kind of what I've got going on right now. I, I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of just existing waiting for the next uh for the market to get exciting again. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems like every time I open Gemini there's like new tokens that they've that they've, you know, added to their repertoire is like is there anything doing well right now? Um you uh, know versus the dollar. I, I and and you know, we we're going to have some Bitcoin maxi pads that are uh <laughs> listening to this that will say no, nothing's doing well because it's all shit coins, but you know, I mean, if we're if we're talking strictly uh, from making money, uh, and not, and not, you know, investing soundly. Um, <laughs> is there, I mean, are there any opportunities at this moment? Uh, as far as tokens go, there's nothing that's really on my radar, um, because the trend is just so, it's so heavily in a downtrend that mm. you can't really, you gotta wait for a trend reversal across really the whole market. And for that to happen, Bitcoin has to kind of reverse. And while Bitcoin's held yeah. up very well, compared to everything else it's still down has it over yeah it's good well i'm i'm glad that i'm mostly i'm mostly in bitcoin at this point i there's a while there where ethereum was sort of my primary my primary uh you know token that i was in um but uh, i transferred a whole bunch of that only you know token amounts so to speak 
um, of that and Link and uh, a few others, but mm. everything else is in Bitcoin at this point. Um, so what's uh, what, what? Why is it that Bitcoin is tracking so closely with the you know traditional markets? I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we now have more institutional uh, money in the market. Uh, we're at, you know, in terms of history that we've had, we're at peak institutional interest in the markets. Uh, we are at peak traditional investor interest in cryptocurrency. Um, and as a result, you're going to get similar behavior to more traditional markets as a result of that. Uh, because it's more of this, it, yeah, sorry, Colin. Well, well, I mean, is it possible for retail invest investors at this point to make dents in the market? Or is it is it so heavily flooded with institutions that, I mean, we're just kind of in a holding pattern at this point? I think the time will come again where retail is ready to go risk on and drive a new run. Um, right now, that's not the time due to inflation fears. And this kind of, which we saw happen, uh, around November when the CPI print started like noticeably going up. I forget what exactly it went to, but it was a like the highest in a long, long time. And as a result of that, you saw people get worried about putting their money in risk on assets because they weren't sure how they were going to hold against the dollar. And even though in theory, Bitcoin is designed to be inflation proof and fight inflation, it's still prone to the emotions and decisions of people that hold buy trade it and you know we've seen that reflected in the price but compared to like like i said earlier compared to all the other tokens on the market it's held up best because it is designed to you know hold up and be strong in the face of inflation in the face of market volatility and yes even though it is a volatile asset itself it's the least volatile and then incredibly volatile market yeah. So with, uh, I mean, with even the head of, I think it was Goldman Sachs and, you know, Janet Yellen, all kind of admitting that we're, uh, we're in store for some pretty tumultuous economic times. Um, do you think that those of us who are uh, sort of in this crypto game are like, should we, should we be as worried as say the guy who just lives paycheck to paycheck? Well, if you have the money to be playing the crypto game, I don't think you really have to worry as much. Um, I think that, yeah, even though you're, I think all of us are probably going to face some form of hardship uh, with, you know, as the dollar continues to have issues. Um, but yeah, the people who don't have any resources, they're the ones who are going to get hit the worst. Um, because, I mean, obviously, I think long term, if those people could, scrounge up whatever they had and responsibly invest uh into bitcoin and you know i think i i personally think that you know another behind bitcoin and you'll agree with this the best hold is ethereum i think uh and just in terms of proven uh just it's probably it's proven um yeah those people that they're they're, they're gonna get hit the hardest and it 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 makes me this is you know crypto aside is focusing more on society that is very concerning for multiple reasons apart from the humanitarian it's just that's going to lead to increasing crime and that's going to have a ripple effect and yeah I, th I think everybody listening to this is pretty aware of that yeah um yeah for sure so uh i mean and and so 
I'm still just dollar cost averaging into Bitcoin every week. Um, is that still the is that still the the right move in your opinion? Uh, I would, yeah, I think so. I I definitely would. I wouldn't be throwing a shitload of money uh, right now at it. Uh, definitely just keep dollar cost averaging. I personally plan on going because I'm mostly in stable coins right now. Like I'm really only holding some NFTs at the moment. Uh, because mm -hmm. going back to your question earlier, really, that's the only space that is making any money right now is NFTs. Really? Yeah. Uh, and even that, it's a select few. But um, uh, I'm sorry, I kind of lost. I kind of lost track. It's kind of kind of been a long day. Well, I lost track of what you. Yeah. No. No on. problem. So I asked about. I asked about dollar cost averaging. Yes. yes. Okay. My, um, yeah. My, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking personally that I'm gonna enter back uh, after Q3, so around October of this year. So beginning mm -hmm. Q4. That's when I plan on buying back, that's when a lot of, from what I've seen uh, in various like chats I've been in, big like the big whales that I have access to, that's when a lot of them are thinking of buying back again is kind of once, like around election season, like we should at least get some pump of some kind because Biden's going to, the Fed and Biden, they're going to do something to, they, they, the incumbent party always does, and especially in this uh this economy, they're definitely going to try something. So it'll be at least, yeah, there'll be a good, there'll be a good bounce, I think, around then at least. And hopefully we'll continue to, that'll actually be a trend reversal, but we'll see. But yeah, I think so. Have Bitcoin's, you, yeah, if you're going to talk cost average in Bitcoin, then fall by Ethereum, I think. Did you even sell off all your link? I did, actually. Yeah. I, wow. uh, yeah. So te technically, I'm not in the link rings right now. <laughs> that's, uh, that's surprising. I that know. was your big thing. It was. Um, it was. And uh, yeah, I wish you had. I wish you had told me that. Um, yeah, it will. That it, it was. Cause... It was very. Yeah. It will. It was. It was. No, it's. It's fine. I mean, I think uh, with you know staking coming around the corner and things like that, uh, it, it'll. I'm sure. Hopefully, I, you know, I won't have lost a bunch of money. Oh yeah. Um, well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not heavily in link right now, but like my partner. Uh, oh. That's yes. Basically, what he's in. So. Yeah, that, that was based on my advice. Job, which, yeah. Yeah, it was. Which, but we won't to, which to be fair, I did <laughs> I did say whenever it did get back up to the 30s in November, I said, hey, if he wants to de-risk right now, I don't blame him. And yeah. I get it. Uh, to be fair, to be in my defense, in my defense, I did. I So I made a back call and I made a right call. <laughs> but yeah, um, that was a back do you, call. I mean, overall. do you think we'll do you think we'll ever see Chainlink uh, kind of back where where it was? If staking is successful, like it's been hyped up to be by the autists that are super into the nitty-gritty of smart contracts and oracle services uh i think it will um if it does if price action does not improve then i would begin to be concerned about fundamentals at that point because it, it you know even in a down even in a bad market like this where everything's going down it's like link was able to in the last bear market and granted the last bear market was happening in a macro bull market and we've never actually had a crypto bear market in a macro bear market uh so we'll see but i think that staking will actually have an impact on tokenomics because and this was this is really where i messed up going big on Chainlink, uh and this is why i think i was i made a lot of money with it trading it at first and why i was so like big into investing in it really was because i found out about it in early 2019 and i was that was sort of still like the whole market was sort of in this 2017 mindset where a token doesn't have any real utility to the holder it's just speculation 
And Chainlink, for a long time, offered the greatest speculative value of any altcoin, in my opinion, because of the passive income opportunity from staking. And we didn't have a clear timeline on staking then. It was still speculation. We weren't sure if it was going to be another year, two years, six months. Uh, obviously, it was way longer than I and many others anticipated, and that burned us as a result. But it now, once it has utility in this new market, and you know, this is where things have changed. It's not 2017 anymore. We're not purely speculating. A token has to have you know, value to the whole, like you have to be able to do something with it, at least interact with some ecosystem like Ethereum or, you know, lend it out like a stable coin or any of these other ones that were really popular for a while there in uh, the bull run last year. But uh, I think, yeah, I think that eventually it will because it will have utility for the holders via staking. Yeah, I think that's the that's the big thing. Yeah. Uh also with with Link is that it has practical value and not just symbolic value. Um unlike a lot of the I mean, you know, like like Doge for instance. I mean, you 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 call it a meme coin which that kind of makes sense. Whereas Chainlink, I mean, uh, unless 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 oracles just will never catch catch on, uh wouldn't you say that Link is like long-term promising? I think so, because I don't think it's a coincidence that you saw a massive explosion in decentralized finance and a lot of these other sectors across crypto after 2019, uh, because that's when the, even though it's not a fully decentralized Oracle network yet and not anybody can run a node and it's sort of closed, somewhat controlled and closed ecosystem, the fact that a project could now access off-chain data, it, it, it opened a Pandora's box uh, to use cases for tokens, for networks. And, you know, if, if it lives up to what it's fundamentally promised, then oracles as a service are going to radically change society. And not, we're not going to see that on the front, like on the front side of things, like on the front end, it's going to be a back end change that's just going to trickle through. And we're not, I, most normal people aren't even going to be able to pinpoint where it came from, but I think that's going to be, be a game changer. So you said that you're more in NFTs than anything right now. Where, where are you looking for NFTs? Where should people go if they want to, if they wanted to want to get into that? Um, it's well, hobby, it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to use the word game again. I, I've oh, already used fine. that word. So hobby, hobby is where hobby is what I'm going to use. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is sort of a game. You know, it is social gamification. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, it really it's hard to find a good NFT project. You kind of it. In my experience, it comes from word of mouth, and it's usually someone that you've already kind of heard of or has a following. And right now, I only am really big into one right now. Uh, it's called Kanpai Pandas. Uh, uh, it's chat, which is Japanese for cheers. And it's run by this guy from crypto Twitter. His name's Icebags. Uh, they're kind of trying to emulate what the board apes are doing, which I, I mentioned earlier, which, and the reason why everybody's trying to emulate the board apes and not be a carbon copy of it, but sort of create that social club around the NFT collection. Because as of now, that's really the only use case that we have for 
NFTs and a, like a feasible sense. Obviously, NFTs are useful for a variety of things beyond that. But in terms of just basic getting normies and non-crypto native people using networks and sort of familiar with the space and the technology, that's kind of where the momentum is in terms of not just money, but developments and adoption. Cool. Well, and I, you know, I've always seen the promise of, of NFTs, not in, you know, not in tokenizing a JPEG, but in, you know, creating like a certificate of authenticity and a certificate of ownership, um, for right. like meet, meet space artwork, which, uh, John Hartman, um, actually asked for advice on like actually minting an NFT. And I would assume for his own artwork. Um, but then also as like, you know, kind of replacing the traditional title for real estate. I mean, if you could, if you could completely disrupt the title industry with, I mean, title, title, the, the, fees that you pay for title when you buy a house just to just to sit in a room and sign a bunch of papers is is insane mm -hmm. um so if you could make that one thing on the blockchain uh that would make the home buying experience for the average person um less expensive and and more accessible uh is that i mean is that is that a, a use case for nfts or am i completely oh, misunderstanding I, what they are you absolutely have it nailed down right uh that's that's going to be what changes i think that's going to be what like one of the big use cases is like the title it is the deed it is all of that it is yeah you know it it's the social ownership of things and having a, a database that is immutable is going to obviously change that but um mm -hmm. sorry hold on i, I have to take some of my water I'm, my mouth's really dry sure, no um yeah so uh, and i guess the other question the other question that came up also while, while you're taking a sip was uh how how to actually make an NFT for yourself? Right. Uh, which, from what I understand, is is I mean, it's it's a fairly straightforward process, but you do have to kind of go through a a, uh, a service. Like you can't just really the average person can't just do it on their own. Right. From what I understand. Right. Yeah. You have to use OpenSea or Rarible or uh, yeah, whatever the platform is for your preferred blockchain. But the number one platform uh, for NFTs is OpenSea, uh, which is on Ethereum. Ethereum is the number one platform for trading NFTs, which is unfortunate because it's also the most expensive platform. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. it makes sense that it is the most popular because it's the most proven and your NFT is guaranteed to be around basically for in the, for the foreseeable future because Ethereum is not going anywhere. Is it possible to use the Bitcoin blockchain for that? I, I, I... I've sat in a class with Vin Armani and he's talked about how he sees it happening um, but I didn't, it completely went over my head and you're, you're my, you're my guy for dumbing down things that go over my head. So I'm asking you. Right. Uh, so I'm not as well versed on the nitty gritty technical side of things like that. I'm, I'm more of a markets guy, but I can sure. explain that a little bit in that you can build smart contracts on Bitcoin. You can create NFTs on Bitcoin. It's just, you're relying on a network that is not designed for applications or computate like computational mm -hmm. services that are beyond transferring value and maintaining that value and fighting inflation. And that's why, you know, this, and this, this kind of gets back to the whole debate, you know, between that, the maxis get into is like, Oh, like, you know, Ethereum is, you know, Ethereum is just a pump and dump, giant pump and dump scheme that there can only be one. So like Bitcoin, well, no, Ethereum is just, it's designed for, people to go and 
create applications on a blockchain that Bitcoin just can't do. And Bitcoin is the, don't get me wrong, Bitcoin's the best at being a store of value and being a, an investment vehicle uh, by far. It's, it's the most proven and it's, it's going to be for a long, long time. Uh, but it's just not, it's not designed to be a general purpose blockchain like Ethereum is. And people give Ethereum yeah. shit for, you know, Austrians do. And I get this because they're thinking of it from a sound money perspective and they're thinking of it as a store of value. Purely yeah. Because right. of the I think of, well, yeah. I think of Ethereum as more of a vehicle than a, than a currency. I mean, obviously right. it's got, it's, it's got its coin and that has value, but it, it, it has value in the same sense that like, you know, gasoline has value. Right. Gasoline only has value if you have something for gasoline to power. You can't just, you know, it's not like money. Right. Right. Yeah. Like gas, gas didn't have any use 500 years oh, ago. Oh yeah. Holy shit. They call did. it gas. They yeah. call it gas. Yeah. Like completely. It didn't even, it didn't even. Yeah. <laughs> is that why they call it? Yeah. Is that why they call it? That's gas? That's literally why they why? call it gas. <laughs> That's well, well there, there I go. Look at me yeah. being deductive without even, without even like trying to. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, the metaphor always was that Ethereum was the virtual oil and gasoline and chain link was the pipeline and pump. Okay. That's, that was, that was the, that's and that's kind of what really sold me on Chainlink was like, oh my god, it's this service that makes Ethereum even better and more useful, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know. But I was wrong there for now. Yeah, but it makes sense. Uh, so, <laughs> thanks for laughing at me, John. Um, so I, I mean, but are these are these things that rely on Ethereum, given given that we're entering in this uh, almost certain recession? Um, is DeFi and things like that, are they all, th those are probably more reliant, I would think, on traditional markets than even Bitcoin. Yeah, they are. Uh, DeFi is especially reliant on stable coins, uh, which are obviously uh, very much under scrutiny right now uh, by the US government and its various agencies. Uh, and I think as a result of that, we've seen not only that market track closer to traditional markets, but also we've seen it be uh, retarded in its growth uh, because no one really wants to go heavy into the space because they're not sure if they are going to be able to continue operating in that space. So we that's why we saw an insane explosion in 2020. And I, and this was again, another error I made is I got excited with the, as a libertarian, I got excited with the philosophical societal impacts of oh having a decentralized open financial system outside of bitcoin like with services like lending and various things like that and you know that was idealistic and i wasn't obviously was not thinking of the risks in that aspect and unfortunately we've seen uh a lot of scrutiny come down on the space but i think i think eventually it will have its day but yeah, like right now, like that big hurdle is the stable coins, especially after the Terra collapse, uh, which I think everybody listening should be familiar. I was just with. about to ask about that. Yeah, yeah. I was, no, they're not. I, I, I knew about it when it was happening. I didn't know how uh, influential it was going to be, um, and then I heard about it again yesterday. I think on a podcast. Uh, it might have even been like the pro the propaganda report, not a not a typically crypto centric podcast right. but yeah no why don't you fill us in on that because th this happened between your your appearances on the show and it's a big event so you might as well right yeah you it, might as well learn about yeah. it for those who aren't who aren't in the loop it changed crypto forever yeah uh so uh 
Luna was a smart contract platform, much like Ethereum. Uh, we saw an explosion of competing, uh, they're called layer ones, so L1s, uh, with Ethereum in 2021. Uh, the three big ones were Solana, Avalanche, and Luna. What separated Luna from the pack was that it had its own what's called uh, algorithmic stablecoin, which means that it was through various mathematical trickery and, you know, quote unquote, being smart. It they were able they thought they were going to be able to just peg it to a collection of not just Bitcoin and Ethereum, but a few other coins like Avalanche, Solana, like things like that. And through an algorithm of cryptos, keep it pegged to $1. The problem with this setup was that the whole market went down compared to the actual US dollar. So the stable coin that Terra had, UST, US, US Terra, uh, failed because everyone, you could redeem your UST for Luna. And you could then sell that Luna for a true stable coin that is actually backed one to one by a dollar, which, mm. <laughs> you know, obviously if you're a libertarian thinking like, oh, why would I want to hold dollars, you know? But if as a market participant, you're going to actually want to hold a real dollar because that dollar has guaranteed fungibility and it's guaranteed to actually hold its, you know, what value it quote unquote has, as opposed to Terra, which completely just fell apart because everyone went and redeemed their, their UST for Luna and sold their Luna and it that inflated. So not only did everybody get rid of their UST and dump it, they inflated the supply of Luna, which dragged down the price of Luna. Uh, and now the founder and creator, or guy who was running it, Do Kwan, uh, I don't know if he's on the run right now. I haven't really been keeping up with him, but I know that there were several hits that were put out on him. A lot of people committed suicide as a result. It, yeah, the token price, it went, I believe like it was like 128 or something like that or 140. And it's now like, I don't even think it's a penny right now. I, I have not been following this for weeks. Yeah, it, it fully collapsed. And they recently, they tried launching a new one. Uh, I think it was like Luna 2 or something like that. Uh, yeah, Terra 2. Yeah, Terra 2.0, yeah. Uh, and obviously, I didn't pay attention to that because that's just, it's dead, unfortunately, you know. And this might this might be a little bit technical, but uh, so my understanding is that Terra would self-destruct, um, self-destruct if it, if it fell out of sync with the dollar. Yeah. Uh, how, and that's what the, the, that was powered by the algorithm. How, how does a coin self-destruct if it's being held by someone? Because that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense to me in my brain. It's because of the way that market participants will behave around it. That's why. Because people are incent holders are incentivized to to uh, turn it in for Luna, and then basically, what's we saw happen was designed to happen. Except it didn't happen the right way. It, it happened the wrong way. It happened not because the network was compromised or because the coin, the stablecoin itself was compromised, but because the backing of the stablecoin was every, everybody just realized that, oh, this isn't like this is going to it's going to lose its value. Like it was just it was very obvious. Why did why did Luna have such a huge impact on the overall markets? I, I mean, like I had heard of Luna, but mm -hmm. I, I 
it didn't seem like it was, you know, in every the front of everyone's minds because they bought so much Bitcoin to back it uh, whenever. And this is actually oh. what led to the market dump. And I actually I, I left this out. This is an important detail uh, yeah. in order to keep the stablecoin afloat. Uh, Terra, like the like the organization sold off all their Bitcoin, dumped it on the market. And as a result, that just nuked the price. And it was already precarious. But an event like that is guaranteed to just cause everything to just shit the bed and it did it seems like we're seeing support around 30 grand right now for bitcoin is that do you think that's going to hold or are we looking at possibly <sighs> even deeper that's a, cuts? it's a good cuts, question decreases uh, yeah uh, yeah cuts decreases same but i think they both work uh i think uh yeah it's, that's tough i don't really know that's why i'm sidelined right now in stables i could see us kind of like faking out to both directions and sort of just accumulating here for the next, like mm. I said, like four to five months. Um, we could nuke down to previous levels. Um, I will say that if we do go back to 2017 all-time high levels around $20,000, I, I feel confident saying that would be, maybe I'm wrong. I uh, don't think I am though, because in every cycle previously that Bitcoin's ever gotten to that level, of even getting close to or touching previous all-time highs, like that's the bottom. Uh, I mean, granted, this time we're in a macro bear environment and risk on assets are, you know, kind of not favorable with investors. But I, I feel like if it did drop there, there would be so much demand from like smart money that is been sitting here for years that they would just. I think they would step in and do it, but. You know, honestly, with so much uncertainty, I honestly don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, the the I I, re, I just remember I, I could have sworn it was like New Year's Eve or some holiday because I think we were at Andrew's parents' house, uh, like you know, doing some sort of family mm -hmm. celebration. But um, I remember when Bitcoin went over twenty thousand in this last bull market, kind of ushering it in. I mean, yeah, that that was sort of the 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 mark that you know said hey we're 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 heading to 100,000 at this point um what do you think we're waiting another 4 years it seems like uh, i've heard like every 4 years is kind of the is sort of the cycle um or right. do you think that things are going to speed up or is it just so unpredictable because of the of the um what are you calling it the generalized bear market or whatever yeah um you know there's no certain answer here but i can tell you the probabilities and what's probabilistic. Uh, it is, there's a high likelihood. These are the, and here's the two, two most likely. We're going to see uh, shortening cycles where bull markets and bear markets don't rip or drop as hard as they used to. And crypto, Bitcoin, especially, like I said earlier, begins behaving more like traditional assets like the S&P 500, NASDAQ, or this has been an aberration in the history of Bitcoin and crypto because this in November, December really was when the whole like market, like outside of crypto crashed too. It could have been, uh, it could have been getting ready to go to a hundred thousand and continue shooting up, but the market could have, uh, screwed it, uh, with everything else going down and people freaking out and not wanting to go risk on. So we could go back to four years. 
that's a possibility. Um, although I tend to lean towards the shortening cycles theory and that, uh, which is sort of in line with if everyone listening, uh, there's like, there's the four year cycle, but another popular, uh, theory, uh, for how Bitcoin's price action, really all cryptos is going to over the next few years, like how it's, you know, the percentage of gains, uh, per cycle really is that it's going to logarithmically, you know, it's going to decrease or as time goes on, it's going to stable out. There's like, there's a great. Uh, there's a graph uh, that, you know, it's it, it's got a curve on everything. Like, it's literally like the logarithmic growth curve. And it visually lays out sort of the path that Bitcoin and kind of the rest of crypto will go. But again, the problem with that is you're trying to base uh, a market that is heavily influenced by human emotions and behavior. and it's incredibly difficult to quantify that, especially on high time frames. Uh, so I do, while I do lean more towards like this shortening cycles theory, I, I'm kind of caught in between the four year cycle theory where yes, naturally we're gonna be, uh, you know, having our ups, our scheduled ups and downs, but kind of also this, th like this idea that we're not going to have a 2017 like run or anything previous to that ever again. Um, I really don't. Yeah, I'm not 100% certain on anything, but that's kind of those are the two possibilities I see mostly happening is that we're kind of just we're not going to see things get as great. Like we're not going to see like the face melting runs and which makes sense that we wouldn't because the market's less speculative. We know that from previous you know from previous cycles that you can't just speculate on things like that because if it doesn't have a use case if it doesn't have any reason to exist then why speculate on it so yeah i i think yeah i think as i'm i'm kind of because I'm, I'm kind of concluding this as i'm i'm thinking this out as i'm talking about uh yeah i i think i i, I do lean heavily towards the shortening cycles theory is that it's just it's just going to be actually more like well, a traditional market. Yeah, shorter and smaller. I would assume. Yeah. Um, Sorry, that was a was really long-winded so, way of saying that. <laughs> no, it's great, dude. We got to fill an hour and a half. Be as long-winded as you want. Oh, great. Um. <laughs> uh. So you've mentioned the 2017 cycle twice now. Um. What What about the 2020 to 21 cycle? Is that was that not as big as the 2017 cycle? No. Is that no, it wasn't. Bitcoin, uh, it ran from its previous all-time high from 1,200 to just under 20,000 in 2017. You had altcoins, and this happened, you know, and this happened this last cycle too. Altcoins went crazy. They're, they're going to go crazy, and you're going to see as, you know, as more services come online that actually are valuable, you're going to have those amazing tokens and those amazing stories that come out of teams that develop world-changing projects and obviously those are going to have insane gains uh hmm yeah i don't i don't think it's 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 gonna happen again like that at least it's gonna ha it's gonna happen and we're gonna have more insanity it's just it's never gonna be this insane because and here's another thing that there was this is and this is i think the key thing that separates 2017 from future cycles 
people were still doubting Bitcoin as a store of value in the crypto space. We weren't sure. I was. Yes, many were. That's why I'm not a millionaire. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, I, I was, I was, I was in Bitcoin and Litecoin in 17. Right. And I sold as soon as I got scared. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's all. I think that's also why. And we had that fundamental uh, debate between Bitcoin Cash and, you know, Bitcoin, you know, uh, that that's something that's not going to happen again. Bitcoin Cash has clearly failed. Uh, all the Bitcoin derivatives have clearly failed. And Bitcoin, you know, as it used to be called by the cash people, Bitcoin Core uh, is going to continue on as the core Bitcoin. It's going to be it's going to be. It's gonna it's gonna be here as long as crypto is here, Bitcoin will be here. Are the uh are the maximalists right? About what specifically? I don't know. Are they right about Bitcoin being the only the only uh the only coin with any longevity, the most promising, etc.? I think in terms of longevity, they have a point. Uh it definitely like if you're just wanting to buy any crypto token and just hold on to it and pass it on to your kids and just like literally forget about it. Obviously, Bitcoin is your choice. Um, but as someone who is, well, a, a little greedy, <laughs> but also someone who really likes technology and really, you know, sees the promise of yeah. these other networks, it just, I can't, I, I, this is the best analogy that works. And this is what I was talking about with my friend at lunch today is that gold bugs love gold as money. And obviously like gold as a, like if we're talking off of, you know, physical things that exist in the real world, gold is the best reserve for a currency, mm-hmm. but other metals exist that have uses uh, besides being a store of value you have and they just but but they also do work as store of values silver is not designed to be a store of value but it can be a store of value it can be an investment vehicle it has utility you know in in the market obviously for industrial purposes jewelry etc yeah. you know and well and medical as well yeah. i mean arguably silver is more more useful than gold i mean right. for 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 scientific and so so forth reasons right and i think while it's not a one-to-one comparison crypto is similar because you know it's like i mentioned earlier bitcoin's not designed to be a general purpose blockchain it's not designed to be able to support decentralized financial platforms it's not designed to be able to support say a peer-to-peer insurance marketplace or an nft marketplace and yeah you could hypothetically build it on there but you're not going to have the most optimal performance and scalability uh for that use case on bitcoin it's just it is limited by its own strengths in that respect much like gold yes exactly so why why should uh why should someone early in their investment career start with bitcoin and not say an s&p 500 index fund because in my humble opinion bitcoin actually has that hard-coded value in it and well yeah obviously like you know, equities have value. Ownership in a company that's actually producing something has value. Uh, it doesn't really have that utility beyond being investment vehicle, though. While yes, Bitcoin is an investment, and you know, it's it's I and also 
apart from the fact it's going to outpace the S&P 500, in my opinion, because one day the S&P 500 will be measured in Bitcoins. Um, it has utility as a money. You can send. Now you Bitcoin. sound now you sound like a Bitcoin. Yes, I will. Exactly. You know, this but this is just whenever you're saying anything pro Bitcoin, you know, you do sound like a maximalist. The only difference between being pro Bitcoin and being a Bitcoin maximalist is acknowledging that, you know, Bitcoin has its weaknesses and that there's other, you know, networks and tokens that are designed for certain uses that will, you know, excel in those areas. What about central bank digital currencies? I mean, are we looking at the Fed coin? And if so, wouldn't the S&P 500 be denominated in that? Uh, well, as long as the U.S. government exists, it would be. But I don't really see the point in having a like Fed sanctioned CBDC because you already have uh, everybody using the other ones i think i don't i and people think they're gonna and if they if they did go through this route it would suck uh if they did ban all the other stable coins they said you have to use uh the feds uh stable coin that would really freaking suck but just from because fortunately now and we're talking about institutions here crypto has some of its own you know there is there is a crypto lobby there is a pro crypto lobby that exists and while they don't always necessarily uh, do what's best for the interest of the industry because, well, <laughs> lobbying uh, and greed and all that good stuff. But uh, I think that they will probably just sanction uh, the existing ones like USDC, I think, is easily going to get uh, like an approval of some kind from the U.S. government because Circle is like working directly with them. Uh, uh, why don't you why don't you get into that a little bit? There there are several stable coins pegged to the dollar. There's Tether. There's USDC. W why are there so many? And what are like the differences? And right. what you, you just mentioned, Circle. I don't know. I've never heard of Circle. So um, even even I, who am somewhat uh, you know educated in this, you know, there's things that I don't understand in it. Right. So uh, can you get into that a little yeah. bit? Yeah. Well, just answering your thing real quick. Circle is just the organization that's behind. Uh, the us dollar coin usdc for those who are uninitiated um but yeah the reason why they all exist is because they have different methods of providing that one-to-one -one backing tether is the oldest stable coin i don't know exactly i think it's been around since 2014 2015 something like that i want to say uh it was it was here before i got into crypto in 2017 though uh and it has the most liquidity. It is one of I, it. It go it bounces around, but usually it's either the third or fourth largest uh, crypto by market cap. Even though it is just a U.S. dollar coin, uh, not the U.S. dollar coin, but it's a U.S. dollar pegged stable coin. You know, you have access to that liquidity holding Tether. Uh, that's the benefit of Tether is that you can trade on most exchanges, uh, like most, basically on any centralized exchange, any any coin you're going to be able to trade for tether like so if you have a like that's like the best token for traders you know i trade in tether that's the strength of tether but the problem with tether is that even though yes they're audited and they have mostly backed by dollars it's not always it's not all dollar backed i believe i forget exactly what it is i'm blanking right now but they have i believe some bonds or some notes of debt or some kind that back up uh, some of the other reserves, but it's not actual solid dollars. So, well, yes, they technically 
contractually on paper have that value, they don't have the one to one dollars, which is an issue. USDC is different. It's all dollar backed. It's all audited. They have various accounting firms that come in and do it. Uh, the problem, though, is that there's not as much liquidity. And while if you then here's and this is basically the best way to put it is if you're going to just be sitting in dollars on the blockchain like I am like right now, I'm sitting in USDC. Uh, that's what I'm sitting in because that's, you know, that's guaranteed to have a dollar backing. I can convert that. I can go and, you know, redeem it for a dollar. Uh, I hold Tether whenever I'm trading, though, because I'm moving funds like constantly back and forth between exchanges and, you know, all that good stuff in wallets. And I want to have that liquidity. And I don't have that with USDC, even though there is a lot of trading opportunities with USDC. It's not the same as Tether. And then you have a few others like DAI, but which is DAI. Like, but the problem with DAI is that they have like USDC backing it. So what's the point of really using DAI if a good portion of it is USDC backing it at that point? Uh, so, and then you had Terra, which was an algorithmic stable coin, uh, which obviously that failed and we got into that. Um, I'm trying, I'm blanking on the others right now, the, at least the US dollar backed ones, but really that's like the main difference between the two yeah. big ones is te uh, Tether and USDC. That's like, that's the strengths and weaknesses for them both. I was on an exchange and it, it may have even been Binance. I don't remember for sure, but DAI was the only stable coin that they, that they had. Gemini, yes. Uh, so, oh, was it Gemini? Yes. Okay. So that was like, now Gemini has its own token, right? Is that yes, a stable coin? Or? They do. They actually, and yeah, you're right. I forgot about this. Yeah. I think it's GUSD or USDG. I'm not sure. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, they have their own. Um, that's just, if you want to hold, I guess the Winklevoss's token, I haven't really looked into it that much. Uh, you know, I, I guess if you, uh, if you think that the Winklevi twins are sexy, I guess you can hold that. <laughs> and they are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so are they, are they, are they behind, are they behind Gemini? Yes. Yeah, they are. Oh, cool. yeah. Okay. Well, Gemini is my exchange of choice. If anybody's looking, uh, I probably have a link somewhere if you want to send me five bucks. Um, if you're just now getting into crypto. Uh, although, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're, we're heading either in a very bearish direction or possibly in a bullish direction in the next few months. So now might be the time to, to start getting into it. Um, what, I mean, what do you think, Pavel? Is this a, do you, if you were someone who's got zero invested in crypto at this point, um, with the kind of coming storm, would you be would you be getting into it now? I would begin playing with it. Yeah, because I mean, I, obviously there's a there's downside risk right now of it dropping down further. Um, but if you're just putting money into Bitcoin and Ethereum and you're not over investing, uh, I think yeah, now is definitely a good time to begin playing. And again, like I said earlier, I'm thinking of going heavy in October, but my finger is always on the trigger and I am ready to go if we do get a reversal and things get bullish again. Cool. Uh, so the last time we saw each other, we, we, we had a little, we had a little, uh, dinner. That oh yes. <laughs> Donnie, Donnie, Donnie Gebert of all people just showed up. Um, Love that, I guess he had seen, I guess he had seen that we were there like on Facebook or something like that. Mm -hmm. So he came, uh, he gave us a very, very in-depth, um, but also kind of nebulous and confusing lesson <laughs> on crypto pricing mechanisms, I guess. Uh, yes. It reminded me of trig, um, trigonometry, and I didn't understand it at all. 
you mentioned before we started recording that you actually spent a couple of hours on the phone with him getting to the bottom of whatever the hell it was he was trying to communicate to us. Uh, I thought it was probably useful as long as it was understandable and it wasn't understandable at that point. Um, no offense to Donnie, but you know, I mean, he knows this too. His, his brain works differently from other people's. Right. Can you maybe kind of synthesize whatever the hell it was he was saying? Um, and if, if there's useful tidbits in there, also point those out. Right. Uh, I'm going to do my best to represent Donnie's and I, I'm not going to get too into this cause I, I, I'm not as familiar with it as I should be. It might even help if I have you and Donnie on the show at some point. Yeah, um, that would be a good idea. You know, it, it probably probably in a few months because I, I don't I don't like to focus too much on crypto. And right. you're kind of my my one crypto guy. So maybe if we get the both of you on here, um, that would be a good. And I promised him he was coming back at some point. Oh, that'd be too, a fun so, one, actually. I think we uh, should do that. Yeah, I think it would too. It would. We I would probably need to block out uh, a double a double length episode or something like <laughs> that just to just to help everybody wrap their heads but, yeah um, that would be yeah anyway one. so yeah give us give us the give us the trailer for that then i guess uh, like what what are what are we talking about yeah so donnie's premise is that all the and getting into sort of like oracles again uh uh is that all of these oracles uh that, that are coming from the centralized exchanges uh like all the the usd price data like so the oracles that the, the centralized exchanges run they're feeding bad information into it. And because they control the flow of dollars through those exchanges, they can manipulate the, the data that the oracles get. And as a result, uh, institutions and shadowy cabals of people can essentially manipulate the market and test things and you know sort of play with it behind the scenes and without maximizing price. And they can move, basically, they can cycle using the velocity of money they can basically hide uh vast uh transfers of wealth across cryptos and so real quick is that so is that kind of the same um concept as when the fed quote unquote prints money it's actually giving it to the people at the top of the food chain and those people get to see the money at its the dollar at its highest value yes. and then as it trickles down it loses value yes that's it's basically what donnie's getting at it's kind of different uh this is kind of where i have issues. I, I i just don't understand it as well as him so i don't feel comfortable explaining it but that's basically the gist is that and he points to uh chain things out who you know cz who's the uh founder and ceo of binance which is the largest uh exchange by volume uh in the world for crypto and they and he he's shown he has uh some evidence because he was um uh i think it was a signals officer i believe in the the military and he has you know like he recognizes uh certain like signal patterns that are used for various operations and he has pointed out uh several correlations that are one-to-one -one in coins that are unrelated and shouldn't be correlating like that uh like on these and the, it's on these really low time frames too where you can hide that movement no one's going to see it but if you're looking for it you find some really wacky stuff in terms of just price action that shouldn't be happening like the, the example that we and this was a oh, this was a month ago that i looked at it and i've and if Donnie's listening, Don, I'm sorry, I've, I haven't looked into this as much as I have because life has just been really busy. <laughs> but if you like, for example, look at Sheep, uh, Sheepcoin, which is another meme coin, uh, and you look at, say, uh, Binance coin or Ethereum, 
you you'll find oh, excuse me sorry had a little bit of a burp there uh you'll find these like exact movements in price that form a signal in these uh like i i guess these this is and this is where i'm starting to struggle explaining it now because this is mm -hmm. donnie's wheelhouse basically these mathematical like these waves like these signals they form and you have to calculate it by hand and and he's you know obviously an expert at that because you know signals uh communications and all that uh essentially it forms what he says is you know like basically a testing mechanism to move vast amounts of wealth through crypt like various cryptos without anybody seeing him and i i, I think he's right you know like obviously like i need to really really like sit down more and study this myself it's kind of hard for me because i don't really know where to begin and it's, it's you know it, it's hard to get someone's actual like level of expertise like that when they have that much experience like donnie does okay cool i think that's probably good enough yeah. uh, as far as that goes and like i said we'll, we'll I'll, I'll i'll get the both of you on the show i don't think i've ever had a, a two guest show before i'll have to figure out how to do it but uh, oh yeah i have i have yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, well, okay. So that's, I think we've kind of reached the end of like the questions that I had prepared. Um, is there anything else that you kind of wanted to focus on at all? Oh man. Oh, you want, uh, someone wanted us to talk about Monero and privacy. Oh, Monero. You're right. Yep. That's right. So Monero, like I mentioned, uh, in the intro of the show, um, I was at the libertarian party convention last week and Monero had a, had a booth there. Um, and so lots of people actually came up to me and, uh, asked me if I could like interview the founder of Monero or something like <laughs> that. I, I, you know, I, I don't know if I want to get, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to have like a marketing show just for Monero. I've done, right. I've done those kind of things before and they never, I, I always feel a little bit weird, um, with that sort of thing. Uh, unless it's somebody I know well, like Joseph Eklund came on, on the last episode to talk about farm match, but like, I know Joseph and, and so we had a good conversation as far you know, between friends. Um, anyway, yeah, tell us about Monero. I, I think everybody probably, any, everybody who knows anything about crypto knows that Monero is sort of the most popular privacy coin. Um, but what is a privacy coin? I guess first of all, well, a privacy coin is you know it it's a coin on a blockchain uh, that you can move anonymously, unlike Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of these other ones. If I pay you and you know what my wallet address is or your wallet address is, you can see all the tokens moving in and out of it. And if you, you know, if you try hard enough and you have the detective skills, you can, you know, you can figure out exactly like who's moving money where and to who and how all that is, you know, how like, that's uh that's kind of an issue. Uh, obviously, you know, that, that that's a great thing. Uh, if you're like a, corporation or a publicly traded company and you're trying to be open for investors uh when you're trying to hide from an authoritarian government uh not so much and that's where monero and a lot of these other privacy coins step in and i'm actually not again i'm not much of an expert on like the tech itself uh just this is like all i all i can speak to really is the trends in the market from a price action standpoint and from what the narrative is amongst you know just the various participants and sort of like figuring out what that is um and i don't know the specific state 
of Monero itself. I don't necessarily know uh, who is really trying to compete with them right now because this last cycle, especially privacy coins, took a backseat to a lot of the more sexy things like right. NFTs and to some extent DeFi, even though it's not as sexy. Uh, but you know, people got more excited about games. Well, well, DeFi is DeFi is sexy in the same sense that you know Goldman Sachs index funds are. Or, I mean, sorry, S and P five hundred index funds are sexy, right? Um, people who know things about things tend to gravitate towards them. Um, I, I, one competitor to to Monero, and I don't know if it's a competitor or what, but it, uh, a lot of libertarians and especially agorists, because Jack Spearco um, loves him, uh, is pirate coin mm -hmm. it's i think their their symbol is arrr -R -R or something yeah, like that yeah it's r uh, yeah <laughs> yeah are you so are you familiar with pirate coin yeah i'm familiar with it i i've never really used these networks um privacy coins aren't my wheelhouse uh i think that that it's a very underdeveloped sector of crypto and as we face more regulatory scrutiny it's going to proliferate it just there hasn't been that necessity for privacy yet and as a result we haven't seen that space really explode and while yeah monero still is entrenched as the number one privacy coin um no one that i know of really uses it and there's right now at least uh if you're trying to there's more effective ways of at least hiding your money uh that are like proven to like sort of like at least legitimately appears that it's there are legitimate ways to essentially launder your money in crypto besides besides the old uh under the mattress trick what are some ways to i, I don't want to say launder your money but that's just because i don't want you to give me advice oh i'm not yeah to commit a felony yeah this is but yeah, none, none, yeah none, none <laughs> but like what are what, yeah. what are some ways to, to keep keep your keep yourself you know safe from prying eyes well and this is kind of what some people will do uh is that they use nfts uh they'll set up a new wallet uh they'll transfer they'll basically use that as their vehicle like they'll create sales uh with themselves essentially and you know if you're smart if you, if you use like the right centralized exchange that w exchanges that will uh even though like if like yeah if the government comes knocking at their door they'll they'll turn your information over but if you're say you're trying to just hide from prying eyes like someone who's trying to stalk you or something you know you could move your funds through that, through an exchange, like centralized exchange, send it to another wallet. Um, you know, that there's, there are methods, but it, there definitely needs to be a proven privacy token. And while I, I, from what I understand, Monero is sort of that, I've also seen people talking about, uh, like expressing their doubts. Uh, and, and this is, you know, this is the problem is that I'm not as tech savvy. Like I, I love tech and I, I love, you know, but I'm, I, I, I can't actually like code these things. I don't know if it's, you know, like I, I need to see how the market behaves to really get a read on how it's going to play out with a certain network or token. Uh, I will say that based off of the price action of Monero, like just against the US dollar for whatever it's worth it on the macro, when I looked at it earlier, it, I didn't really like what I saw because I saw it double topped out basically right below, I believe $500. Um, maybe it was below 400. I'm not exactly sure, but anyways, like either way, that's not something you want to see, like just from a price action standpoint, as a trader and investor, like on a high timeframes, because that shows that you have massive resist, like nobody 
really values it above that point. And well, maybe Monero does have use a use as a privacy coin, and maybe you know, I, I and I would look into this more. Uh, just if you're look, if anybody listening to this uh, wants to use it, just verify that, of course, and like really read into it. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think it's it's tough to say because I I just I don't know the tech, but just looking at the price action, it, I don't feel good about it. But I am long term, I, I I am bullish on privacy coins. There's there's gonna be there's gonna come a day where the market is really demanding them and that's gonna that's gonna force innovation yeah if for no if for no other reason than that you know fed coin has become the sort of de facto uh trading vehicle i mean there are going to be people be people who for whatever reason desire their privacy and so i i would imagine that a privacy coin would probably be the best way to fill that gap. Uh, Bitcoin's not going to do it. Um, I guess the one kind of criticism of Monero from people who uh, are more pirate chain lovers uh, is that Monero isn't actually as private as the marketers would have you believe. Mm -hmm. I, I, I and you know I, I know even less about the tech than you do, I'm sure. Um, but uh, I, I I don't know. I like I I think if I'm looking for something that's going to be super duper private um, because I'm you know whether I'm committing criminal activity or just really don't want anybody to know what the hell's going on in my financial life, um, which obviously there's something to be said for, for both of those things. Mm -hmm. um, Monero may not be your best bet. Uh, I, I don't know the tech. I don't know the stories. I don't know anything about it other than that, you know, a very trusted source like, like Jack Spearco. Um, if, if they're saying, Hey, watch out for this thing, then it might not be your best bet. Uh, that's just my two cents. I think I think that's a good take. All right, Pavel. Uh, so why don't we why don't we shift gears back to personal stuff? I guess I, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of spent on crypto. Okay. Um, so you uh, you have been very health conscious uh, ever since graduating college. You basically have lost a shit ton of, my, of weight and money, <laughs> but weight especially. Um, what's your what's your kind of regimen look like? Well, what, what are you doing to take care of yourself? Uh, aside from cleaning your room <laughs> as we mentioned earlier yes the, the, well yes that's the jordan peterson way of taking care of yourself cleaning your room <laughs> uh i just i don't i i just i don't eat more than what i'm allotted calorically per day and i lift weights so i just mostly eat protein and i reach my macro goals per day of my protein which is 70 percent of my body weight in grams you know uh i just i i don't so if you're so if you're 100 pounds you're eating 70 grams of protein yes is that what you're saying? yes that's correct okay yes uh i yeah I, I just i don't overdo it that's what i do and uh i i, I just it's funny though because i really don't eat that great i and i i think i know i've eaten i've eaten with you before like <laughs> <laughs> it's true i yeah I, I i i still eat like a fat kid but i think i think really for me, at least the key is the fact that I just live, I I'm active is that I, and also fasting. If you're, if you allow your body time and all this, okay, this is, I, this is what it is. Okay. It's fasting, eating protein, primarily having protein be your primary nutrient source because your body uses more calories to burn that down. And it also, it keeps you satiated and actually fed like truly new like 
you have the nutrients for a much longer time than carbs do. Um, also, like, again, like fasting allows your body to burn off those carbs and like those bad calories first. Are you talking about like long-term fasting, like maybe a, a, a three days out of the month? Or are you talking like intermittent, intermittent fasting intermittent. where you're only eating? Okay, intermittent, cool. yeah. As I, as I like finished that, I realized, I was like, oh, I should probably specify. Yeah, but I will say though, if I do like have a string of bad days, and this probably isn't the healthiest thing to do, but it works for me and I don't feel like, I don't feel bad or unhealthy when I do it. But if I have, I eat like crap for a week or a few days or something like that, I will have a day sometimes where I just, I fast or I it's not even like a fasting day, but it's really like, okay, I'm literally just going to like drink a protein shake, like throw some chicken in the oven and be done. Like, that's it. That's all I'm eating for the day. Uh, but like for the most part, it's just, it's really just controlling what I eat and just not eating crap every day. And if I do, if I do want to eat crap, just limit it and count the calories and make it fit in there. What do you use to track your macros? Are you like in my fitness pal or do you keep a journal? I kind of wing it in my head. I am good. Yeah. I've got, because I, I used to use my fitness pal when I was losing weight a long time ago. Uh, so I, I sort of know, I, I don't never get it exactly, but I know the ballpark of what like a like something is calorically. I'm pretty good at estimating that and getting like within a hundred calories of it. So I just keep track in my head and you know, that's really bad. If I forget, I'm just like, okay, what did I eat today? And then I'll, I'll, I'll go through and I'll just use my brain as a calculator. That's the autism speed. It really honestly um, is. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, how often are you going to the gym? I go four days a week, although recently I've been slacking. Unfortunately, I've been doing half weeks. So I've, I've just been doing, I have A days and B days. So I'll do two, two, like my A day is just, you know, I work my back and my legs and my, my B day is basically my arms and my shoulders and like I work my core every day. But uh, no, like, I've, I've just been doing like one A day here, a B day there. Like this week I worked out on Tuesday then I worked out yesterday. Just I've been so busy, like just even though the market has not kept me active for some reason, I'm just like kind of all, I think it's because I'm just I'm busy all over the place, like doing like things with like, either like I'm helping my friend right now with this. I'm doing like I'm like hanging out with people socially because it's summertime. I'm going, I'm doing things. Uh, but I do try to at least get in four days a week at the gym. That's kind of how I do my sanity. If I don't, I, I at least do one a week, one like an A day a week and a B day a week just to maintain my muscle mass. Yeah, I'm doing, I think most weeks I'm going three days. Uh, I'm also seeing a personal trainer though, which has been really helpful. Nice, um, yeah. He's actually... He's got me in my first uh, my first powerlifting competition coming up here in a couple oh, of weeks. I'm really looking forward to that. Hey, nice. I know. I'm rooting for you. Pretty fucking cool. I'm I'm so when I was uh when I was in high school, I was an offensive lineman and I was the only lineman on my team who couldn't who couldn't bench 200. My bench was just absolutely abysmal. Um like I I made up for it with with lower body strength, but my upper body strength was just terrible. And uh so I put up 205 about a month ago and I haven't, I haven't maxed since then, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what I can do. Cause uh, it's really cool. It's really cool getting strong. Like, and oh, yeah. you know, I mean, you can kind of like, I still, I still kind of look like a fat guy. Uh, <laughs> you know, anybody who was, anybody who was watching the LP streams kind of knows uh, what I look like, but uh, the, uh, the, the fact that I can like lift really heavy shit is just kind of neat. Um, I guess I, I don't, I don't have the best diet in the world. I don't, I don't track calories. I mean, we, we eat, we eat home cooked meals almost every night which is, you know, a really good start. Um, 
but uh yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun what's so i've got a b and c days that my trainer just kind of put together for me mm -hmm. um what are what's your what's your core routine look like you said you do core every day yeah it, it, i just have two core exercises I'll, I'll do i'll do on my a days i'll do planks on my b days i don't even know what the exercise is called my friend just showed it to me one day uh but it's i i you just you have a medicine ball uh and you just you go up like on each like you, you do like a set on each leg and that's like a total like you do 10 reps for each leg that's a total of one set uh you just like you lay back flat with the medicine ball like above your head on the ground and then you in unison lift up like you'll you keep either your left or right leg arched uh and then the opposite leg you raise up as you're lifting your upper body up and you meet up in the middle oh, sure. yeah and I, I again i don't i which is this is bad that i don't know what one of my exercises is called i just have it in my phone as ball exercise <laughs> like <laughs> nice. it's like ball exercise yeah, which is now I say that out loud. Very nice. <laughs> well, yeah, also very nice. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Well, that I, that's that's probably it. What? Why don't you plug what you got to plug if you want to plug anything? Yeah, I mean, if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's really the only place I'm active. It's at Pavel Chadsuk. I'm sure James will drop it in the description. It's kind of hard to spell. That you, you'll be able to read. Yeah. It there. What is what is what is the Chad Chadsuk thing? What is S Y U? Well, my pseudonym is. My favorite hockey player of all time, Pavel Dotsuk, and Chad is the internet meme for Chad. And I, I tried for a while being like the serious like crypto Twitter account where I was posting like my technical analysis and like what every trade and every move I was doing. And then I realized that nobody cares, and that <laughs> really the best way, and this has actually worked, the best way to get into the social circles on Twitter and like start start getting some of the actual geniuses to follow you and like get in those communities is just a shit post and be funny and likable and not a total yeah. cringe idiot apparently that's how that's how you get dave smith to come on your podcast too <laughs> <laughs> just, just just cyber bully him on t on twitter he has told me he's told me twice and also like publicly announced it on uh biblical anarchy that he's coming on my show and like i'm just ghosted at this point i haven't heard from him <laughs> forever i'll i'll so, i'll harangue we'll him we'll for you i'll be there in november dude yeah <laughs> if you if you if you happen to get some facetime with him like let him know you know me he knows my name like he knows who i am yeah i'll drop uh, but i really i really want to get him on the show yeah uh, well you know tom before he's like so that's yeah that. i'm not gonna ask i'm not gonna ask tom to ask oh him. no no i know that no but i'll just like but I'm just saying, like, yeah, you, I'm just to myself saying, like, oh yeah, you, you oh. know Tom. That's yeah. So I'm sure Tom has yeah. mentioned you to Dave. Yeah. Well, and Dave and I have been in the same room several times oh, in yeah, the last too. year, just because of of all the libertarian shit that I've been oh, that's doing. That's right. He was in Minnesota um, too. Yeah, he was in Minnesota, Pennsylvania twice, Reno, uh, and then somewhere else. But in any case, like, he he knows me by name and face now. Like, I don't even need a name tag, which is. Kind of cool. And especially considering he's running for president or probably running for president. Like that's one of those skills that like Bill Clinton has where he just remembers everyone's names. Yep. Um, so it's a good skill to have. All right, cool. Well, Pavel, I'm not going to keep you any longer. Thank you so much once again for coming on. Thank you. It was oh. good talking to you again. And I'll probably see you in a couple of months. Oh, yeah. Can I can I, just real quick, my non-financial advice uh, token list. This is not financial advice, but Bitcoin. Oh, yeah, let's yes, do it. But Bitcoin and Ethereum are your safe bets. If you want to gamble, uh, my favorite shitcoin, Chainlink, James knows this. Uh, and then Avalanche. That's another one I like. But yeah, that's Avalanche has a weird has a weird symbol. What is it? Uh, it's, like, is it just... it's like the A. It's like it's a really weird A. 
is in like a in like red. It's no, I mean of, like the little the little like three letter. Oh, like Avax or Avox as it's, it's, Avax. That's yeah, it. yeah. It's okay. officially Avox, right. but everybody just says Avax. Avax is definitely it. All right, awesome. I'll uh, I'll make sure to link to those. I'll probably just do the um, Coin Market Cap links to those, and people can buy or not buy as they see fit. Awesome. All right. Thanks again, James. Cool. Thanks a lot. See ya.